I want you to go in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. We're going to continue our series, Miracle in Motion. And uh, last week we talked uh, about uh, the elements of a miracle. And uh, this week we're going to step in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth. Nazareth was what we talked about last week. It's where he was from. In Galilee, now he is going to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. It just so happened that God moved strategically in perfect timing that Mary was ready to have the baby when they got to Bethlehem. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. That's NIV. I know you guys like in New King James Version because there was no room in the inn. Yeah, that's the one we know. There was no room in the inn. I, I really believe that the story of Mary and Joseph, the Christmas story, is a story of a miracle in motion. And when we're talking about and using this, this phrase as uh, the subject of our series, a miracle in motion is really, I believe, it, it illustrates that early beginning of Mary and Joseph and Jesus being born. It was a miracle in motion. A miracle in motion is a practice of trust. That, that's really what it is. It, it is a pra- and that's really what we're going to talk about today. It's a practice of trust, a miracle in motion. I wish all miracles happened immediately. Anybody wish that would happen? I wish every single miracle was just like, it just happened. But most miracles are a process. Most miracles are not instantaneous. Most miracles are in motion. And really, if you're going to see God's purpose fulfilled in your life, you are going to have to master or you are going to have to at least get familiar with this concept of trust. Trust. My dad, he's a pastor and, and he's preached for years. And, and when my younger brother was about three years old, he used him as a sermon illustration. And uh, this, was, this was good for us growing up because whenever my dad used us as sermon illustrations, he had to pay us. And so we liked being used. In fact, we actually kind of acted up every once in a while, just like, we got to get in this message. I need a payday. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> trying to buy something. And, and, and so this day, uh, my brother Ryan, he gets chosen for the sermon illustration. And so uh, we had like a, a table, like a big communion table in the front of our church. It was beautiful. Had a huge tablecloth over the top of it, all just perfect. And uh, my dad's preaching on faith. And so, so he calls my brother up there, and he's three years old. He stands up on the table, and he says, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to have Ryan jump off this table into my arms. And he was illustrating how faith works, that faith is a leap of faith. Feels like that, doesn't it? Faith is, it literally is a blind, oftentimes, leap of faith. So my brother jumps up there, plants his feet firmly on that tablecloth, that had not been there when they had been practicing all week, but was there on this Sunday morning. Crouched down, my dad counted to three. He leaped with all his might as the tablecloth slipped out from underneath his feet, fell down face plant onto the ground. You know you're a good preacher if you can recover from that. That happens to me, I'm like, and see you next week. 
My dad somehow recovers. My brother's crying. He's got a black eye. And you know what I was thinking about this week? I was thinking that actually is a more clear depiction of faith than if he would have floated effortlessly into my dad's arms, isn't it? It's like that's what faith feels like. It, that, that's really good. I don't know if my dad, now, I don't know if my dad did that on purpose. <laughs> no, I'm sure he didn't. I'm, really, I'm sure he didn't. I'm actually thinking about it. That is a more clear depiction of faith, yeah. right? It could just jump and you think like you're going to float in the arms of Jesus and instead smack. You hit reality. You hit life. You hit questions. But the, the crazy thing is my brother, he's older now, and uh, he grew up. He still trusts my dad. So although he had a fall, he still trusts the heart of my dad. He still thinks my dad's a good dad. Even with that broken nose. He's joking. He didn't break his nose. He still thinks my dad's a good dad. I'm going to tell you something about faith. Faith does not feel like a gliding leap into the arms of Jesus. Faith feels like about to leap, slipping on something you didn't see, smashing your face on the reality of today, and still trusting that God's good. That's what faith is. That's really trust. Mary and Joseph, they're in this journey, and we started this story last week, and, uh, and, and, and poor Mary and Joseph is they're navigating this, and, and, and we read it with our spiritual goggles on of what has happened and what's transpired, but I want you to really inject yourself in the story. That's what we've been doing. I want you to really think about it. Mary and Joseph, and as we, as we picked up last week, Mary's in Nazareth. Scholars believe she's about 15 years old, and we talked about the conversation that Mary would have to have with Joseph when she has an angelic visitation that tells her she's going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. My thoughts exactly. So, I mean, we talked about that conversation like, Joe, (laughs) I met someone. It was one night. (laughs) But, you know, like, I'm pregnant. And we had, we like, that is the messiness of this story. But we didn't talk about the whole thing because Joseph had to trust her words. I mean, this is crazy, but we talked about Mary and Joseph. She's 15 years old. We never even talked about her dad. Can you imagine that conversation? Like, don't tell me an angel. You can call him what you want. He ain't no ain't. Like, whoa. There is confusion. There is mess. And we see Mary and Joseph on their way to Bethlehem. And they're on their way, and it's inconvenient because they live in Nazareth. Mary is pregnant. They're engaged. Joseph thought about divorcing her. We'll read about this in a minute because he's like, didn't really trust the Holy Spirit thing. And now they have to go to Bethlehem for a census. It's inconvenient. But let me tell you something about inconvenience. Oftentimes, miracles come disguised as inconvenience. Because Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem because Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. In fact, it was prophesied over 700 years before this day by the prophet Micah that the Savior of the world be greater than King David and he would be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, I'll read it to you. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says this. 
If I can find it here. It says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now check this out. Micah has never met Mary and Joseph. This is 700 years beforehand. And he's prophesying. This is the worst part. Inject yourself into this story. Micah lives, Micah prophesies, and Micah dies. But nothing ever happened. Micah's kids probably thought, man, our dad was crazy. I was prophesying about someone be greater than King David. King David was a legend. Micah's grandkids probably like, oh, yeah, remember old crazy Micah? I mean, like telling stories about it. Then those kids die. Now no one even knows who Micah is except for the writings that were preserved of a prophecy. And then 700 years later, it just so happens that Joseph chooses not to divorce Mary. It just so happens that Mary is pregnant at the time they call the census. It just so happens that the census lines up with the place of Bethlehem, which is called the house or the place of bread. It just so happens Jesus would call himself the bread of life. It just so happened that Mary's about to have this baby as they pull into Bethlehem. Just so happens, or maybe the whole time God had a miracle that was in motion. See, for many of us, we take a glimpse of our life and we think, oh man, this is a mess. But God's working. He's working in the midst of what is happening. Bethlehem was an insignificant town. Nazareth, we talked about, was an insignificant town. Now Bethlehem is an insignificant town insignificant town. God took insignificant people to an insignificant place for the most significant event in history. I want you to know this. Whatever you feel about your own talent, your own ability, your own gifting, your own heart, your own, the way God views you, whatever you view about yourself, God uses insignificant people to do significant things. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. It has never been about perfection. It's never been about you doing everything right. It's never been about you being better than someone else. It's always been about availability. It's always been about a yes in our hearts. And it's what we see in both Joseph and Mary is a willingness to be a part of this crazy story. Anytime God's trying to move, there's always opposition to his move. There is always opposition to the plan of God. There's two types of opposition. One type of opposition is just natural opposition. Some of you, you got to church late because there is traffic. Somebody's going slow on the way to church, and you thought, the devil is trying to keep me from church. No, that was a slow driver. <laughs> there might be a devil, but irregardless, that's a slow driver. Some of us, we make natural opposition spiritual opposition. Like you stub your toe on the way of the house, and you almost swear. You're like, the devil's trying to get me to use foul language. No, you hurt yourself. You're driving down, road, down, you're down, driving down the street, and you got road rage. Like the devil's trying to get a hold of my mind. No, you have an anger problem. This, you're getting older. I'm rebuking age. I won't have another birthday. No, it's a natural thing. It's called natural opposition. It's not spiritual warfare. But I want to help you with something. If you don't deal with natural opposition correctly, natural opposition becomes spiritual opposition. 
Most spiritual warfare that we encounter is not the devil jumping into your house and attacking your destiny. Most spiritual warfare that we encounter is something that we invite into our lives naturally. When I don't respond to an offense correctly and now I harbor unforgiveness, a natural opposition that just happens in relationships now becomes a spiritual battle because now I'm afflicted because of how I responded to my natural opposition. Does this make sense to anybody? There are natural things that will come against you that are not spiritual. Life is tough sometimes. I don't understand why life's easy for them and not for me. No, life is tough for everybody. Everybody's got issues. If we started telling people stories, it would not be what you think about them, and it would not be what you see on their Instagram. There's a story beneath the story. Everybody has pain. Everybody has problems. Everybody goes through trials. And you say, well, I think my problems are the worst. Your problem's not the worst. Whenever you think that you're at like the, your life is the worst, you can find about 10 other people that have a way worse life. That does not negate your pain or negate the difficulty of the season that you're walking through. But it does help us understand that the Bible says the world is in the hands of the evil one. That means bad things are going to happen. That means there's going to be storms. That means people are going to be evil. That means because we live here. And the world is in the hands of the evil one. God doesn't cause everything, but he does use everything. He'll use everything. But God is not causing evil things to happen. So you have to understand that in this life, there will be opposition to the plan of God. Some of it is just natural. Well, so-and-so, they've been hating on all my posts. That's, that's not spiritual opposition. It's called natural opposition from somebody that has an insecurity complex and is braver behind a keyboard than they are to your face. <laughs> Happens all the time. Happens all the time. But if you don't deal with the insecure person behind their keyboard correctly, now what is just natural opposition becomes spiritual opposition. Does this make sense? Mary and Joseph are on their way to Bethlehem, and there's all kinds of things that oppose them. There is the narrative that Joseph has reeling in his mind that this woman got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. There is a king that is trying to kill the soon-to-come Messiah. There is a journey that's happening with a pregnant wife that's supposed to be carrying the Son of God. There is all kinds of opposition. Opposition is going to happen. But what we see in Mary and Joseph, I believe, is so imperative to our ability to have trust in the miracle in motion. As God is progressing through our lives in the ups and in the downs, if you're going to have trust, I think we have to see what Mary and Joseph did. And I want you to see what Mary did. Mary has an angelic visitation as a 15-year-old. And Gabriel says, you're going to carry the Messiah. She's like, okay, yeah, like, how do I care? No, no, you're going to be pregnant with the Messiah. All right, I'll call Joe. No, not Joe, the Holy Ghost. Cool. <laughs> so as a 15-year-old, this is her response. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now, this is a rhetorical question. Okay, don't answer. I'm not going to answer it. You don't answer it. It's rhetorical. What was your response to the last thing God asked you to do? I mean, this is Mary's. Like, hi, I'm an angel. You're going to get pregnant by the Holy Ghost. The guy that you're married to, you're not going to have sex with, but you're going to get pregnant anyways. And then it's like, you're going to give birth to Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. And she's like, may it be to me 
just as you have said. What was your last response? Why? How? No. Right? I mean, think about how we respond. She says, you know what she describes to us or she depicts to us? She depicts an attribute of surrender, which there can never be true trust if there is not true surrender because surrender is a releasing of control. God, I release control. I trust you so I can release control. But that's not all. What we see in Joseph is the other side of trust. One side is surrender, but the other side is obedience. Now, we talked about this last week. It is not fair because Mary has an angelic visitation, goes and talks to Joseph, but nothing's happened with Joseph yet. God has not shown up to Joseph. He hadn't talked to Joseph. So the Bible says in the book of Matthew, it says that that Joseph is planning on divorcing her. So if the census was to be called in Bethlehem, they had to go, he was going without her. It said he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And then it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, but after he had considered this, considered divorcing her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Think if you were Joseph at this point. Oh, thank God. Right? I mean, it's like, she was telling me the truth. She wasn't lying to me. The Holy Spirit, she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, in one verse, is about to divorce her. He hears from God that what she's saying is true. Then we see, and what we read today, is that they begin their journey to Bethlehem. They're not married yet. They're engaged. So the only reason that Joseph would bring Mary is that he had made up in his mind that he was going to obey God and he was going to marry her. You would never take a fiancé. You would never take a girlfriend to the census. You only took the people that were going to be part and registered as your family. So what Joseph said is, I will obey. Think about the doubts in Joseph as they're walking to Bethlehem. She's pregnant, Mary's on the donkey, and he's thinking like, that wasn't bad pizza, right? Like, that was God. That was like, like this, that's crazy. That baby, that baby's the son of God. Like, he's having these thoughts. They're, they're real people. Having these thoughts go through their mind, but true trust is a combination of surrender and obedience. I surrender and release my will. I obey the step that you're giving to me. And this is really how obedience is. I would obey God way more easily if he could show me the entire path. If I could see the finish line and every step up into the finish line. But that is not how God leads us. Obedience is like this. That's my flashlight. Got it? It's not this shining my whole path. Obedience to God's like this. Okay, I can see. Okay, yep, that's good. That's good. Yep, right there. That's, it's step by step. It, it, it's step by step. So I surrender. I release control. But then I obey. Oh, yeah, I obey. I'm going to have the Messiah. No, I obey with what I can see right now, which is go to Bethlehem. Okay, let's go, Mary. We're going to Bethlehem. It's both surrender and obedience. You know, I think we get like so bent out of shape about the will of God sometimes because we try to see things that we shouldn't see. 
I, I was driving back from the middle of nowhere yesterday, and uh, I, I, was, I was way out, and uh, I was really hungry, and it was getting late, and uh, me and my brother, I'm like, man, we got to stop for some food. Well, out there, when you stop for food, is not food I eat, okay? I'm just like, I eat pretty healthy, and um, I, like, I don't eat bread, I don't eat carbs a lot, and, and so I'm like, man, the only place is this like burger place on the way back, and I usually, if I get a burger, I'm getting a lettuce wrap. I know, don't, don't make fun of me. And out there, if you ask for a lettuce wrap, they'll be like, a lettuce, what? Punch you in the face. They'll be like, grow up, pansy. I mean, that's like, that's how it, that's how, so I'm like, I'm not about to order this burger without bread. I'm like, I'll take a triple, please. And so we're there in the drive-thru, and I can see through the window them getting the food ready, and I see the man that had just taken my money getting my food, and he takes his bare hand, and he takes some of the ingredients, and he puts it on my burger, and then he puts it in the bag, and he hands it to me, like everything's normal. And I'm like, no, 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 and I'm, I was so perturbed in my mind about, like, this dude touching my food because I saw him. Now, wait a second. How many times have I got food at a drive-thru that I never saw the preparation? And because I didn't see the preparation, I ate it with confidence. But it could have been a lot worse than what I saw. But because I saw something I shouldn't see. Now I'm like, how dare he? The, this is inhumane. This is wrong. This is filthy. I will not. I did. I ate it. I was hungry. I was hungry. And I started to think about the will of God. And I think some of us, we look so clearly at it, and all we can see is pieces. All we can see is a a virgin that's pregnant, that's messy. All we can see is an engaged couple that is expecting a baby, that's messy. All we can see is a journey to Bethlehem with a nine-month pregnant woman, that's messy. And so we see the mess, and we're like, no. No, 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 no. This is not the Messiah. This is not how it's going to happen. But if we would have never looked, and we would have just trusted, if we would have just, it would have been better for us. But we get so caught up in the steps because I think sometimes we think we know better than God. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Joseph, are you sure about Joseph? Like, let's not use Joseph. Like, what about Johnny? Like, Johnny's been a faithful believer for years. Why Johnny? He's a carpenter. Let's, let's get Johnny. Like, we would be all up in the story. Mary? My gosh, she's 15 years old. I know a beautiful 18-year-old that would be perfect to house the Messiah. What? That's how we would do it. We'd all get all up in it. But God has a plan, and a miracle that's in motion needs to be not interrupted. It needs to be obeyed. I need to trust him, which means I need to surrender to him, and I need to obey him, which I mean, means I need to follow the step that I can see. Now, someone's going to come back up with the keys, and I'm going to give you the last two components. We'll just keep breaking this thing down. To trust, 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 it is Surrender and it's obedience. What do we trust? What do we trust? We got to trust in two things if you're going to see a miracle in motion. You have to trust, you have to trust his credibility, God's credibility. You have to trust his credibility. You know what credibility is? You got to trust his ability to be trusted. You got to trust that he's trustworthy. The Bible says, I am not a man that I should lie. 
Because God cannot lie. People say, well, God always tells the truth. It's bigger than that. God does not, not only always tells the truth, he is truth. That in him there can be no lie. This is people say, well, I hope God gives me peace. God is peace. That Jesus, one of his names is the Prince of Peace. That's who he is. He is hope. He is life. He doesn't contain life. He doesn't contain hope. He is. He doesn't always tell the truth. He is truth. There's no lie in him. So if I'm going to accurately trust him, I have to trust that he's credible. I gotta trust that he's always telling me the truth. That he's not telling me something to get me hooked. He's not telling me something, false advertising. Telling me something to get me committed. Telling me something to get me to tithe. And then he's nowhere to be found. No, he's not teasing us. He's credible. He's credible. But that's only one half of it again. I have to trust that he's credible, but I also have to trust his character. Now, his character is his moral values. It is that he's good. I have to be able to trust that God's good, that he has good things in store for me, that he has good things planned for me. I've got to be able to trust it, that he's credible, he will not lie, but he has character, it's for my good. Because when things get messy in the middle, you have to trust that God has your best interest in mind, or otherwise you'll peek into the kitchen while your food's being prepared, and you'll think, no, I can't do it, I won't do it, I shouldn't do it. But God is working behind closed doors. He's working behind the scenes, and he's working for our good. I read this verse last week. I'm going to read it this week and probably next week too. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 28. says, and we know that in all things God works for the what? The good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. I was called according to his purpose when I said yes to Jesus. And I love him. Do you love him? He's working for your good. He's working for your good. I, I, was, I was preparing this week, and, and I was telling some of the, when we were driving from Wiley today, I was telling them that I had all of these deep theological thoughts that I wanted to share with you today. I mean, just like I was going deep. I mean, man, oh, I'm, I'm going I'm to drop this heavy revy and drop this, and, and I'm putting it all together. And, and, and then I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. What are you trying to say? I looked at, like, all my notes. So what are you trying to say? Handwritten, I wrote on the bottom of my paper, we can trust him. I'm like, oh. So I've got some great notes that have been deleted. Maybe I'll send out sometime. Because it says, what I really heard the Lord saying is to tell you, to tell myself, we can trust him. So simple but so powerful. You can trust him. 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 Faithly, smack. I can trust him. 
I can trust him. I can trust. But what if I got hurt? What if it didn't work out the way I wanted? What if it looks like he failed me? You can trust him. You can trust him. How many times in the Christmas story did it look like God failed? Like God messed up? Like God made a bad decision? But it just so happened when Mary was about to give birth that they pulled into Bethlehem at a manger in a stable and the king of the world was given birth right there in the manger in Bethlehem the bread of life was born in the house of bread it was a miracle in motion started before Joseph and Mary even had recollection in the mouth of Micah the prophet in the mouth of Isaiah the prophet prophesying things that would happen 760 years in the future and there in the manger it all comes to fruition I think it's because people had the audacity to trust. Can you trust him? That's it. Can you trust him? What does my trust entail? My surrender, I release control. In my obedience, I do what I know to do. That trust is in his credibility. He does not lie. And his character, he's working for my good. That'll help you sleep easy at night. That, that, is be- that, that is better than essential oils. That, that is better than whatever you smoke. That is be- I'm telling you, that right there will put you to sleep. That's the best nightcap you can have is that you can trust him because he's credible and because he has character. He's good. There is a miracle that is in motion. I can't see it now, but I trust that it's coming. It is in motion. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.